The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. If you're able, please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at a couple of passages this morning, so if you want to be ready... Turn first to Ephesians 4 and then be ready for Luke 16 and Psalm 16. But turn with me to Ephesians 4 in your copy of God's Word. And I will um, read verses 7 through 10. Ephesians 4, 7 through 10. Look with me, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8. Therefore, it says, now, obviously, we're now we're now entering into a quote from the Old Testament. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men in saying he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also had descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, plural, that he might fill all things. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God abides forever. By his grace and mercy, may his word be preached for you. Please be seated. Our summer series is on these essentials of the faith that are distilled in the Apostles' Creed, a document that we're well aware A document that we're well aware was not written by the apostles. Please note where the apostrophe is. It's not apostrophe S. It's not something that comes from the apostles. It's something that came from disciples of the disciples of the apostles about the second century and then perfected in the third century as a creed. Therefore, its purpose is for worship, for witness for protection against uh, false teaching and for discipleship. Today's is very important in in all four of those areas of worship, uh, uh, protection of the pure doctrine, and also uh, the issue, the affirmation we deal with today, he descended into hell. So we're there today. Now, I know some of you are probably saying, well, um, I wondered if you were going to get there or skip that. I'm not going to skip it. I'm right here. Couldn't wait to get here, actually. And uh, I let me ask you a question. So here's the Apostles' Creed, 100 words in the Latin. Seventy-five of them deal with the humiliation and exaltation of Christ in the second paragraph of this Trinitarian confession. It, bela- it begins uh, this, this collection of essential truths of New Testament Christianity, which explains the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises and prophecies. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day, he arose 
from the grave. The third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, when that a creed is examined, confessed, you can almost be assured that I am going to get a call, a question, a comment, an email, a text message about two items in that creed. My guess is you know what two they are. In fact, my guess is you might have sent me one of those emails, texts or something with something like, you know, Harry, I just want to challenge this. I just I can't say that. Uh, which one? I just you know, I got a problem with that holy Catholic church. I thought we were Protestants. And uh, so hang on, I'll get there. OK, that's not today. But this descended into hell. You know, Pastor, I just don't think I believe that. Do you? I do. You do? Yeah. In fact, well, Pastor, let me ask you further. You say that this is a distillation of essentials of New Testament Christianity. Not, not, not all of the essentials are in it. I've heard you say that. So a Christian, a true Christian will believe more than what's in the Apostles' Creed, but won't believe less. You know, Pastor, I don't think I believe that. Then I want to ask you, what is it you think it's saying that you don't believe? And it's amazing the answers I get from that. Well, I just think it's this backdoor purgatory thing. I mean, I think it's just, I think they're trying to accommodate purgatory. Well, you only got one problem with that. The doctrine of purgatory and limbo did not come for another thousand years. That's in the 13th century. This was written in the third, second and third century. So they, they weren't trying to create cover for purgatory. There wasn't anything. That's an aberration in the Middle Age church. And it's doctrinal corruption. Well, you know, Pastor, I believe Jesus bore my hell on the cross. And so you don't think the guys that wrote this believe that. Well, it just says he crucified, dead and buried, descended into hell. Well, would you say that maybe they actually knew that Jesus said on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And they understood that was the cry of dereliction and the outpouring of God's unmixed wrath for all the sins of all of his people for all of eternity upon Jesus so that he could endure that to say, do you think they believed that that wrote this? Well, yeah, I think they did. Then why did they put it here? Well, maybe you ought to ask that question. What are they actually saying? Are they saying what you think they're saying or are they saying something else that actually the Bible say? Well, pastor, you know, um, I, I just I don't I, I think that ought to be taken out. Well, uh, let me encourage you. All of the mainline theological, uh, the, all of the mainline theologically liberal churches agree with you. They've all taken it out. Now, the reformers would not agree with you. They left it in. The Westminster divines not only left it in, they took time in the larger catechism to tell you why it's a part of Christ's humiliation. And, and, the great, and, and then after that, in the Great Awakening, men like Whitfield, Wesley, uh, 
Jonathan Edwards, John Owen, the tenants, they embraced it. So over here are the people who agree with you who don't believe the Bible is the word of God. Let's get rid of it. Over here are the people that died because they believed the Bible was the word of God. They said it belongs. Now, I'm not telling you that's the reason you ought to believe it, but I am telling you that ought to get your attention. I am saying that you ought to take a look and see why these people who gave everything for the inerrant word of God believed this was a faithful affirmation in an essentially faithful creed of the essentials of the church. And it was important. Yes, I do believe it. Yes, I do confess it. Not only do I confess it, I confess it vigorously. And may I confess something else? I am praying to some degree at the end of this, those of you who love Jesus and the Bible are now going to say, if you haven't said before, I too want to confess it vigorously. I I pray for that. Because I believe this is a glorious truth that is unbelievably effective for me in worship, in evangelism, and also in discipleship, particularly when people die. This has much to say to you. Would you hang with me for a minute? Now, you're going to have to do something the Bible calls gird up the loins of your mind. This one's not easy. I don't think it's that hard, but it's not easy. Harry, how can it be hard or easy? I'm telling you, it's not easy. But I don't think it's that hard, and I'm going to try to make it as easy as I can. So when they said, when they say descended into hell. Now, here's a here's our first problem that we've got. This is an English translation of a Latin creed. And the Latin creed actually makes use of a Greek word. And the Greek word is Hades. And when so when you first heard this, when it was said in the second, third century, it would have said this. It it would have said to you, you would have said it this way. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into Hades. And then they translated all of that into English. And the 100 words becomes, I think it's 100 and seven words because our word listen the english language is poverty stricken and it shows up right here in the greek and hebrew there are three words translated hell gehenna or the lake of fire or the eternal place of torment that's translated hell in your bible gehenna it's the ga valley of hinom that there's three valleys that run through Jerusalem. One of them was a trash heap that burned forever. Jesus pointed to that as a metaphor for hell. The everlasting bodily and spiritual. Say it again. Physical and spiritual punishment of the unbeliever for rebellion and rejection of God's glory and grace. It is unending forever. It is an eternal state. And that word is translated lake of fire, place of torment, Gehenna, with the word hell. There's two other words that are translated hell in your Bible because they wouldn't be in existence without sin. And that is Sheol in the Old Testament and the New Testament counterpart to Sheol, which is Hades or Hades. Hades, we'll, we'll English it. It's Hades, we'll say Hades, all right? So in other words, in the Old Testament, when you see the word Sheol, and they translate the Old Testament from Hebrew to Greek, they would put the word Hades in the place of Sheol. And in the New Testament, they just go ahead and put the word Hades. And those are translated hell. 
That's the context. That's what you would have heard. You wouldn't have heard he descended into Gehenna. You would have heard he descended into Sheol. He descended into Hades. Now, so what we have here is a, to begin with, is a translation problem. Our English language, which I love, I study to some degree, but I love. But it's poverty stricken. Let me give you my prime example. You've heard it, but it fits here. If I want to, if I want to say the word love, I'm utterly dependent upon tone for the context. If I, if I'm speaking Greek, I don't, tone isn't a big deal. I got six words to choose from. I got storge to talk about family love. I got phileo to talk about brotherly, sibling, sisterly love. I've got eros to talk about romantic, intimate, marital love. I've got uh, agape to speak. uh, There are six different words. I don't have that in the English language. In the English language, when when one of those six words come up, we've only got one word to put in its place, and that's love. Now we got to use tone to make the difference. So I talk to Bruce, and I say to Bruce, um, I love you, man. I go to Cindy and I say to her, I love you. I don't go to Bruce and say to Bruce, I love you. And I don't go to Cindy and say, love you, woman. I don't do that either. I'm dependent on tone. Greek, I got all kind of words I can start choosing from. Well, that's the, that's our issue here. We got three words translated hell. One of them deals with the eternal state. The other one deals with the intermediate state, Sheol and Hades. That's the one that they pointed to. And it's crucial you understand that. And I believe it is crucial that you embrace that for worship, witness, biblical uh, accuracy, and also for your own comfort in life and death. Now, why would I say that? Folks, when you and I came into existence, uh, God created us. We have a five-fold state, a five-fold estate. One is our first estate. When Adam was created, we are in Adam. And when Adam was created, he was created physically and spiritually. His soul or spirit was in the image of God and physically he, uh, our bodies come in the image of our parents. So God made him physically from the dust of the ground, right? You with me? He made him from the dust of the ground. But all he is is a corpse until God did what? He breathed into him the breath, the nephesh, the soul, the soul. And he became a living being. Now, most of us were educated in a Greek concept of education, whereby the Platonic view of life reigns. And so there's the physical, which is bad, and the spiritual, which is good. And the body is the physical, and the spiritual is in it as a passenger. And death is opening the door for the passenger to get out. That is not a biblical world and life view. Biblical world and life view is God made Adam and and therefore us in Adam from the dust of the ground physically and then he breathes into that body the breath of life it's the better picture is not a car with a passenger the better picture is two threads woven together in one cloth inseparable 
our body and soul were made to be immortal. Not thanatos, death, separation. That's why when you ask me to pray for you to have a natural death, I have to say I can't. Because there's nothing natural. That's a Darwinian world in life view. Death is a part of that world. For me, death is an intruder. It's an enemy. Now, Jesus has got the victory over it. But it's an enemy. You don't find death in Genesis 1, 2, 1 and 2. There's not, it's not natural. There's nothing natural about it. It's an intruder. It's the result of sin. And when Adam sinned, we sinned. Therefore, when we're born, we're born with a sin record and a sin nature. So we not only have a first estate, we have a fallen estate. We are born under the dominion of death and darkness and sin. That's how we're born into this world. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Come on, y'all. Get with me on this. Ready? Is what? Death. Wages of sin is what? Death. And there are three kinds of death sin brings. First of all is eternal death. Death, methanatos, means separation. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, to the place of eternal, unending, everlasting death called Gehenna, the place of torment and hell. And we're all born headed that way. Because we're born spiritually dead, separated from God with our sin nature and our sin record. Our only hope is that, we keep, that God will be gracious and we'll be born again. And we all face physical death, which is separation of the soul from the body. So we are in a first estate. We are born in a fallen estate. Now, what is your present estate? You're either saved or you're lost. There's no in-between. You're either saved by the grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and born again, or you're lost under the judgment of God. And I'm pleading with you to come to Christ before that day, while it's this day, is the day of salvation. Now, what about the saved when they die? They go to an intermediate state. What about the lost when they die? They go to an intermediate state. The intermediate state, first of all, their body goes back to the dust, dust to dust. You shall return dust to dust, the grave. Their soul goes to the intermediate state. In the Old Testament, it's called Sheol. In the New Testament, it's called Hades. And there's five things for you to know about this intermediate state. You ready? Get them, okay? I'm going to test you on the way out. You ready? Number one, it is an intermediate state. It's not your final state. Number two, it is not only an intermediate state, it is a temporary state. Number three, it is a bifurcated state. In other words, Sheol slash Hades has two regions, two realms. One realm is the departed souls of the saved, and the other is the departed souls of the lost. The saved realm is also called paradise, or Abraham's bosom, 
or place of comfort. The the uh, the judgment side for the lost is called is called Hades torment, the place of torment. Both of those one comforts the other torments. The believer in comfort and the unbeliever in torment. And the unbeliever, uh, and, but in both cases, it's intermediate. It's temporary. Number four, the, that bifurcated existence, this intermediate and temporary, is a spiritual existence. There's nothing about the body in it. The body's in the grave. That's where the body is. Number five, it is a fixed position. There's no evangelism there. There's no second chance. It is a fixed position. And there is a chasm between those two realms. And then fifthly, there is the final state, the eternal state. And that is the new heavens and the new earth for believers are Gehenna, the lake of fire, for those apart from Christ. Now, back up to what we're looking at now, because that's what we're saying. He descended into Hades. Is that biblical? If it's not, don't believe it. If it is, you better confess it. And it's and it's and it has an implication and an application. It is an essential if it is absolutely true. But first of all, let's take a look and see if what I have said about the intermediate state bears up under Scripture. Would you, under examination of Scripture, would you take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke 16? Turn with me to Luke 16. Here is a text. Uh, some teach it as a parable, but it does not bear the mark of a parable. It bears the mark of a historical event revealed by Jesus to us. You know it as the rich man and Lazarus. And here is what it says has occurred. Follow along with me, if you would. Verse 19 of Luke 16. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side, or more properly translated, Abraham's bosom. And another word for that is paradise in the Bible. The rich man also died and was buried and in Hades. So he, like Lazarus, is born away. But unlike, unlike Lazarus, who is born away to a place of comfort, he is born away to a place of torment in Hades. Two places in Hades. And so he goes there. Now, in both cases, what happens to their body? It's buried. So the rich man also died, was buried, and in Hades, what's in Hades? Not his body, his body's in the grave. What's in Hades? His soul. 
And in Hades, what happens? And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am anguish in this flame. So while they are using bodily parts for explanation, we know the body is already buried. That's using explanations that we can understand the torment uh, because of our physical senses. Then we can understand what's going on spiritually. And in Hades, I'm, I'm sorry. And then he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. If any of you ever thought that people come to repentance in hell, that ought to show you it doesn't happen. Here is a man in the intermediate state of torment. And even in the intermediate state of torment, Lazarus is his water boy. It's going to be God's fault. And Lazarus ought to be here to continue to serve him. So here's what we find out about this, the, um, the depth of our depravity as we see his response to this torment. And then he says, but Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. Yep. As an un, as an unbeliever, you got the things of this world. That's what you live for. Lazarus, here's a believer. And Lazarus gets what? Lazarus, it has been granted unto you not only to believe in me, but to suffer for my sake. And that's what Lazarus got in that world. But now where are we? Now what is happening? And besides all this, between us and you, between us, Abraham, Lazarus, believers, and you in Hades, there's two realms. It's fixed. And there's a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. No evangelism in this intermediate state. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophet, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So here is Here is this historical event that takes us to the place of the departed souls. It's intermediate, it's temporary, it's spiritual, it's fixed, and it has two realms. The realm of blessing for the believer and the realm of cursing for the unbeliever. Now, what about Jesus? In Ephesians chapter 4, we are told that Jesus in victory is ascending back to the third heavens. You know how the Bible talks about the heavens, plural, in the earth. There's the created heavens all around you. Then there is another heaven for the invisible. It's the place of the departed souls and for the angels. Then there's the third heavens, the dwelling place of God, where Paul got caught up to. And where Jesus came from, and he descended. Remember our Philippians 2? Have this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself 
to be found in appearance as a man. In other words, incarnation, conception, incarnation. And he humbled himself to be found in appearance of a man. And he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus becomes a man. He who ascended with the victory of his redeemed captives, who used to be his enemies, are now his redeemed. First, Ephesians says, descended all the way to the, here's our language again, lower regions. Now we arrive at the full humiliation of Christ. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, perfect life, rejected, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, an atoning death, cursed is he who hangs on the tree. Crucified, what? Dead. What's next? Buried. That's where his body went. Where did his soul go? You're going to leave that out? Jesus is a true son of God, son of man. As the son of man, he has a true human soul. He has a true human body. And he comes to take our place. Therefore, in his humiliation, he has to go where we go to redeem us from our fallen estate. So he is comes from the womb all the way into life, all the way to a cross, an atoning cross for us. And then he is dead by, by taking upon himself all of our judgment. He encounters physical death. And he deals with death. And what is death? Separation of what? Physical death. Separation of what? The soul from the body. When he died, it was a separation from the soul from the body. Where did his body go? The grave. The tomb. Where did his soul go? He descended to Hades. And he's already told you that on the cross. What did he say to the thief who got converted? Today. May I use my language? I'll meet you in paradise. That's not the new heavens and the new earth. That's the intermediate state of blessing in Sheol and Hades. I'll meet you in paradise or Abraham's bosom. I'll meet you in the place of comfort. And so his body goes to that grave for three days. And where does his soul go? To paradise. Hades, paradise. For three days. Now, Harry, you know how long he was there. Three days. Because he had already said, three days I'll rise again. He's not just talking about his body. He's also talking about his soul. That descended. Go read the language in the Old Testament. Descending into Sheol. Descending into... Hey, this is language of humiliation. Folks, I can't wait to get to... On the third day he rose again and ascended into heaven. But the reason that ascension is glorious... Because his descent was full. All the way to death. A grave and Hades. All the way to that point. 
Now he'll rise. And on the third day he arose. What does that mean? That means his body came out of the grave and his soul came out of Hades and reunited on the Lord's day. The day of resurrection. See, most of our songs just focus on the physical part of the resurrection. There was a spiritual resurrection where his soul came from Hades. And the Bible not only says that through Jesus telling you, the Bible also says that. The Bible also says that in its messianic Psalms. Would you go to one more passage and then I'll give you the takeaway and we'll close. Look with me in Psalm 16. Would you go to Psalm 16 with me? It was our call to worship this morning. And in our call to worship, in our call to worship, we uh, quoted this wonderful messianic psalm. But I want you to go back for our purposes today to go back uh, to uh, Psalm 16 and start at verse nine. Here's what the here's what the Messiah, the Lord who has come to save us, says to the Lord, his father, his father. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells secure. The messianic triumph of the glorified body and life of the Messiah ascended is in that verse. How did the ascended Savior get there from his humiliation? Here's what was promised. Verse 10. For you, that is God, will not abandon the Messiah My soul to Sheol. What goes to Sheol? What goes to Hades? Not the body. The soul. My, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. So what did the psalmist say, this messianic psalm? That when the Messiah is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified an atoning death, crucified dead, his body is buried, and his soul goes to Sheol. And what do we know? He's going to rise on the third day. Why? He said so. And what is that based upon? That's Psalm 16, where the promise is given, the Messiah will not be abandoned. The one who was abandoned on the cross for our salvation as he suffered Gehenna hell for us. When he goes to this Hades, he will not be abandoned to it. On the the contrary, he will be raised from it. And what about his body? It will not see corruption. The third day, the body will come forth. It will not see corruption. And the soul will come from Sheol. He will not be abandoned. And that's what the writers of the creed are reminding you. That's what they're telling you. You got a full human Jesus with a true body and a true soul. And he dies. They're separated. Where does the body go? We know the tomb. Where does the soul go? We know to Sheol, to the place, the realm of blessing for the departed, saved souls in Sheol. And that's where he was. He met the criminal. By the way, Abraham's there. All the Old Testament saints that were anticipating the fulfillment of the Messiah. They're there. Lazarus is there. And I hope one day you'll be there. You do realize you're headed there, don't you? I mean, I hope you're headed there. I hope you're not headed where the rich man was headed. I hope you're headed where Lazarus went and where Jesus went. And when you get there... 
you will not have gone to a place that Jesus hasn't gone before you. And has won the victory. And has assured your victory. I, have, I labor at this every time there's a funeral of a believer. If, may I speak North Charlotte just for a moment? As we stand beside that grave and we lay the body aside. And I tell them, ultimately, this corruption will put on incorruption. This mortality will put on immortality. And they aren't here. They are in the intermediate state of blessing. Absent from the body. Here's the body. What's absent from the body? The soul at death. Where is it? It's in Hades, Sheol, the place and realm of paradise, of comfort. And Jesus says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Again, the psalmist have already told us, didn't he? If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. And that's just temporary. And that's where I go to North Charlotte. As I turn to the family and say, praise the Lord. But I want to tell you something. God ain't finished yet. This body's coming out of this grave and that dust is going to be collected just like it was when Adam was created. And this person is going to be raised incorruptible in body and Hades. That's what the book of Revelation is telling us. That not only will the land and the sea give up the dead bodies, but Hades will give up all of the souls. And all of the bodies will be raised, the souls will be raised, and they will be reunited. Then comes the judgment. And as you stand at the judgment... If you're in the books, then and you're in the books and the judgment of God's wrath is upon you. Now you go to another fixed estate, but this one is not this one is not temporary. It's eternal. It's called hell, Gehenna. But if your name is in the book of life, then you will be ushered into a new heavens and a new earth. And it's not just spiritual, folks. Eternity is not a soul, is not some kind of soulish existence floating on a cloud strumming a harp. You're going to have a glorified body and a glorified soul, and you're going to be in a new heavens and a new earth with that new body and that, and that perfected soul. That's where you're going to be. And the assurance of it is Jesus has already been there for you. And is now making the final estate for you. So let me give you the takeaway and I'll close in prayer. So the takeaway in this affirmation, he descended into hell. The creed is declaring Christ's full humiliation. He has humbled himself, conceived, birthed of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, Dead, His body buried, not his soul. His soul to Sheol, paradise, where he had already told the criminal, I'll see you there for three days. Then his soul comes from from Hades, paradise. His body comes from the grave. It's united. He has 40 days of ministry. He says, don't hold on to me. I haven't yet ascended. That ought to tell you something. He hadn't ascended 
when he died on that cross. He's yet to ascend to the third heavens, and he is going to return there after that 40 days. And when he returns, by virtue of what he has done, you legally returned with him. When he ascended, he led captive a host of captives. You are his, and he is yours, and you are in Christ. Therefore, your life is assured of salvation. His full humiliation as the Son of Man not only assures us of our full salvation, it also instructs us as to our past. My sins are forgiven. Why? Jesus took Gehenna health on the cross. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou, what? Eternal judgment, unmixed wrath of God for all the sins of all of his people fell on him. My sins are gone. I'm forgiven. There is no condemnation. My present, I'm saved by grace. I'm not only forgiven of the penalty and liberated from the power of sin, I can start leaving the practice of sin. In my future, I'm going to an intermediate place temporarily. Absent from the body, present with the Lord in Abraham's bosom and paradise. And then he's going to blow that trumpet one day. And when he blows that trumpet and the voice of the archangel, the body will come out. The soul will come, be reunited, and then... After the judgment and my name in the book of life, then comes the new heavens and the new earth. I hope to see you in paradise. I think we'll recognize each other. Seems as if they recognized Abraham. I don't know how you do that spiritually, but that seems to be the deal. Then I hope to be with you in the new heavens and the new earth. But there's only one way we can do that. And that's to come to Jesus. Because of his perfect righteousness. And because of his atoning death. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know something. If you know Jesus, your soul will go to that place of Hades, paradise, and be present with the Lord. But that's only temporary. And there's no second chance there. So if you go there lost... Then you stay lost. Today's the day of salvation. But in that place, in that day, that we will have great blessings, it's only temporary. And we will go into eternity. Why? Because Jesus has endured our judgment for us. That's why. When I got saved, God saved me from many sins. And one of those was a very profane, vulgar, immoral course vocabulary and talking. God saved me. He, he, he liberated me from that right immediately. I thank God for that. And then, amazingly, the same mouth gets to teach the Bible. I think God's got this wonderful, divine sense of humor. I tell you what's even more ironic. I get paid for it. It's just absolutely astounding. I'm I'm amazed. But I remember thinking through my language. And years ago, I quit saying something that I used to say as a course of conversation. Yeah, I, yeah, they, they really got hell on earth. I never say that. 
I think you have unwanted consequences of sin on earth. But folks, I don't ever want to give anybody any false comfort. Well, if I did this hell on earth, maybe I can handle that. No. No. Hell on earth has only been here one time. That was 2,000 years ago. And that hell, Gehenna hell, lake of fire hell, judgment hell, wrath of God, unmixed, fell on Jesus. So that you can miss it. And be with him in a new heavens and a new earth. And he's already taken care of the intermediate. Your soul will not be abandoned in Sheol or Hades. And your body will one day be incorruptible. Because he is risen. Soul and body. So will you. He descended into hell. But he didn't stay there. He came forth. Therefore, one day, when I go to the place of the departed souls of believers, paradise, I won't stay there. I have another place, and he's preparing it. A new heavens and a new earth. Join me. Come to him who came and descended for you. That you can ascend with him. God, thank you for the time to be with my friends and brothers and sisters and those that are seeking this morning. So I'm just going to ask, Holy Spirit, that you would go way beyond my inadequacies and speak to their hearts in these few moments of silence. Lord Jesus, I'm going to ask you again, if there's anyone here who is not yet Come to Christ. May they hear very clearly from me. Now, they may reject it, but can they hear very clearly from me that the wages of sin is death, eternal, spiritual, physical. But they may also hear good news that while our destination is the judgment of God, God sent his son to take that judgment for his people. And that is all who put their trust in him. So today, may they turn from the sin. It is appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. There is a Savior who has won the victory over sin, over death, over hell and over the grave. So we are no longer subject to the slavery of the fear of death. Our Savior has been there. And he has defeated it. And we will not be abandoned, but brought to glory because he's won that victory. Lord, may they flee to Jesus who came for them. May they come to him who invites them. Come, I will give you rest. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader. Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.